This is episode two, part two, surviving or thriving during the pandemic. Now, I want to preface everything I say with investments is completely unique. Investments are completely unique to every person investing. So this is not not necessarily particular advice for any one person, but instead how I view the pandemic and how I view investing during it. Um, Ultimately, guys, I viewed this as any other market crash. Now, market crashes in the past typically rebound within three years of the said crash. Most people don't even know that. In fact, that's part of the reason why people are so emotionally attached to their money, right? We don't know what's going to happen in the future, therefore protect what I have now. Uh, But historically, we can look back and again, past performance does not indicate future performance, but it is the only indicator that we have. So it's good to at least use it as a reference. So I want you guys to think about investing as buying things at the grocery store. And I know it seems remedial, but it's the image is great here. When you guys go to, I don't know, uh, Lululemon, a shirt is maybe $100, right? But if you guys go to Kohl's, a shirt might be $15. There's a difference in price, right? But they're both shirts. I want you to think about investing the exact same way. So when the stock market's doing really well, right, things are expensive. Apple, Microsoft, uh, DocuSign, whatever your preference, right, whatever you fancy, those are expensive because they're doing well, right? But during a pandemic, such as the one we're having now, the market crashed. So what happened during the market crash? Well, you went from Lululemon prices down to Kohl's prices. All right, so now that we have that image in our head, right, we have to decide what's the difference between investing and saving. Now, let me preface this again with the idea it's very, very wise to save for a rainy day, even if it's raining. And let's be honest, the virus is essentially a massive storm that we're all just trying to survive at this moment, right? So the difference between investing and saving is going to, again, depend upon you. So the way I look at this And let me just jump in here and say too, like we talked about in episode one of budgeting, generally as a guideline, you want to have three to six months Mm. as a swan fund saved to cover rainy days. So if you were already in that position, it's important, I think, not to get too scared and now over save and do nothing with your money because now you're really worried and you have a year's worth of expenses just saved, which isn't isn't earning anything for you. Right. And and so in my own life, the way I look at this is every dollar I invest is for the long term. I have a long term time horizon, just like a majority of you probably do. Right. And by long term, I mean, 20, 30 years from now, that's when I'm going to stop working. So that's when I'll need you know, this nest egg that I'm attempting to build up. And for me now, because of that, knowing that I have that long-term time horizon, investing and saving are the same thing. So with that in mind, I want Lululemon, but I also want to shop at Kohl's. So that's kind of what this market crash slash pandemic allows for us to do. It allows you to be able to get Apple, Lululemon, at a Kohl's price. Now, I don't know what particular prices are because they change every second, essentially, but I can tell you Apple was cheaper during the pandemic than it is now. So let me, let me just ask you, James, for people who don't really have a background in stock and don't understand how stocks are valued in the first place, what, as just kind of a, a general concept, how are these stocks getting evaluated in the first place? That, why, why do they decrease so much following a pandemic or a world event? 
So great question, Brandon. There's actually a massive amount of ways I could answer that question, but I guess for this specific situation, we can look at it uh, from a perspective that stocks evaluation are always future thinking. It's what's going to happen. Is the is Apple going to perform better next quarter? Is the iPhone 50 going to talk to us like Megatron and Autobots from Transformers? I don't know. Here's open. <laughs> but it's always forward thinking. So if the sentiment on the company is positive, then it's most likely that the stock price is going to rise. So with that said, it's obvious that a global pandemic is going is going to lower sentiment on most things. So going back to our Kohl's and Lululemon example, that's how I want you guys to think about stocks, bonds, real estate, basically any investment that you can think of. I want you to think about it like that. When sentiment is high, things will be expensive. When sentiment is low, things will be at a discounted price. And that's how I would recommend people view things during any catastrophe, but especially the one that we're just now living. I think it's critical to think about it like that. Again, if you have a long-term time horizon, you should absolutely be, I don't want to say excited, but you should be motivated to start investing now. So one of the questions that I get, uh, one of the most common questions I get from people is, hey, is there going to be another market crash? Hey, are we out of this thing yet? Hey, should I start investing? Again, all of those questions. One, if anyone tells you that they know what's going to happen in the future, I'd run away as fast as you can. No one knows anything. Not your mother, not Brandon, not Warren hey. Buffett himself. So be careful of that. Now, I'm not saying that there's going to be another market crash. I'm not saying that the stock market's going to soar to new highs. Like I just said, I don't know. But what I do know is that there will be another market crash at some point in our future. Might be tomorrow, could be the next 30 years. No one knows, but it will come. But what do we know about market crashes? They rebound within three years, historically, every single time. So with that information, all we can do is look at what's our economic output and outlook going to be. So lots of people lost their jobs, right, Brandon? How many people lost their jobs? 30 million? Yeah, I, I think unemployment's over 20% now. So if we look at that from just a output output perspective, how much are we creating? How many services are we providing? We can say with a fair amount of confidence that we're creating and providing less, right? So even if we went back to 95% working capacity, we would still have a 5% deficiency. So what I mean by that is if we still have the exact same amount of people or roughly and we have the exact same amount of demand, but there is less supply, less people creating or less services provided, then there's going to be an issue, right? What is that issue? Well, it's going to be inflation. And it's the only natural consequence, if you look at basic economics, um, demand, supply, supply times demand. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. When, what is when the, demand exceeds supply, you're yes, going yes, yes. to see some inflation. When yeah. demand exceeds supply, there will be inflation. And inflation is just, well, I'm, you guys have heard this saying, right? A chocolate bar in the 1950s was five cents, and now it's you know $1.99. Uh, things get more expensive over time. Uh, that is essentially inflation. And, and a, well, a great example of this is Jack in the Box tacos, by the way. They're kind of the only thing that denies this principle. 
of inflation, but I just found out the terrible fact that they're actually not 99 cents for two anymore. It's a dollar 39 or dollar 69 for two of them. Yeah. Which not, is not the college days anymore. No, man. it's eight it's, tacos for four bucks. It's horrific. And that's actually changes my whole lifestyle now. Um, but to, to circle back to, to, to the main point, that's why what he just talked about of, of risk and time frame is so important, right? We don't know what's going to happen in next year, right? We could see another downturn and another shutdown, right? If we shut down again, what's going to happen to confidence in our companies? It's going to go down. They're losing yep. profits. We don't know. We, we might stay open. We might be on the, on the path to recovery. We might go down again, which is why if you're planning on making money in six months, you don't know. You don't know if it's going to be another crash in six months. But if you're playing the long game, you for sure know that the economy on the whole is going to be up from this historic low in five, ten years from now. Right. And I guess to, to sum it up, right, the big old question, should I invest even with all that's going on? If you have a long-term time horizon like myself, I'm going to be investing. I would recommend anybody that has a long-term investment to think long-term don't be worried about what's going to happen necessarily tomorrow. Worry about what's going to happen 30 years from now. Okay, so James, a lot of people actually ask me, right? So you're talking about these different companies, right? Apple's doing well. Um, Amazon's at like historic highs, right? Because consumer confidence, people are looking at the state of the world and they're going, wow, a virtual delivery service sounds like it's going to be the company right. of the future, right? So a lot of people are looking at specific companies and they see Delta Airlines, you know, is down what do you tell people who want to they're they want to put their money in specific stocks or they're looking and they're they're tracking different companies individually and they want to know what company to invest in like what do you what what do they do great question great question so i'm probably going to give an answer that a lot of people aren't going to want to hear uh, but i can tell you that every client who has every person who has become a client who managed their own assets before they asked me to manage them they picked their own stocks there was always some horrible failed story with it, meaning that they put too much money in a Delta or they put too much money in a, uh, a Boeing. Uh, just they're in the same industry, so it came to mind. My advice for anyone who doesn't have over a million dollars is keep it really, really simple, guys. I would stick with mutual funds and ETFs. And a mutual fund is just a basket of stocks, bonds, real estate investments. Um, it's just a basket. And it's essentially you're investing into that basket and someone else manages it, a professional. A professional money manager handles it for you. And each one of these mutual funds or ETFs, they have what I like to call goals. Um, so like growth, moderate growth, uh, principal protection. You know, there's multiple, multiple goals that each fund or ETF can have but they're held to the strictest of standards to maintain that. So a good example of this would be, say you want to invest in a technology mutual fund. Well, I don't know the specifics of what the rules are, but I bet it's something like 70 to 80% of their investments have to be technology-based, technology companies. Um, that sort of allows you a lot of direction in how you invest. I think it's great for people who are just starting out or like I said, if you have under a million dollars, I would still stick to that rule just because a million dollars is this number in all of our heads, right? Like, oh, you're a millionaire. It kind of holds true. It's a little bit more now as far as what a million dollars really means wealth-wise, but that number is still a pretty notable number, right, in your head. 
so I, that's what I like to tell clients. If they haven't reached that yet, let's stick with ETFs. Let's stick with mutual funds. So a couple times now, you've mentioned this thing called an ETF. Okay. What is it? Yeah. How is it different than a mutual fund? Again, there's so many there's so many details that I could go into here, but an ETF is what's known as an exchange traded fund. So without getting too detailed for you guys, think big picture. Mutual funds, you can only buy them at the end of the day, buy or sell. And I don't want to overwhelm you, but what that means is the stock market's open from 9:30 to 4 p.m. East Coast time. So if you buy something at 9:30 a.m., a mutual fund you're not going to own it until 4 p.m. That's just the way that, that's one of the rules. An ETF tracks a mutual fund, but it trades like a stock, meaning you can buy it at 9:30 and own it at 9:30. It's it's almost simultaneous. As long as there's a seller, you'll be able to do that. So that's one of the main differences. From the average person's perspective when they're looking up a mutual fund versus an ETF and deciding what to invest in, how what's that how is that difference going to affect their choice to put their money in one or the other? Yeah. And again, another great question. And there's not a lot of notable differences. I think it's, it's based upon preference. One thing I would look at is the, uh, expense ratio. So Vanguard, for example, they have, and I'm by no means endorsing Vanguard, but they have some of the lowest expense ratios out there. Well, there's most likely an ETF that tracks their mutual fund probably has a very comparable expense ratio. So if you like the idea that you can buy and sell at your own will, you're not really uh, at the mercy of the stock market's rules with mutual funds, meaning buying and selling it throughout the day versus buying or selling it at the end of the day. Um, you know, that would be one of the considerations, I think. Is it still managed by a professional the way a, a yeah, mutual fund is? Ab absolutely. So ETFs just track an index. So an index can be a mutual fund. It can be an S&P 500, uh, a Dow Jones, uh, I mean, you guys have heard of all those things, right? The Russell, uh, there's an ETF that most likely tracks any mutual fund that you like. So, so it's kind of like, Hey, James is a pretty smart guy. He bought these stocks. That must be pretty good. Now I have an ETF and I'm going to invest in mostly the same stocks that you just invested. Cause I'm tracking your mutual fund and investing in largely the same things. Ex exactly. Exactly. So maybe a little bit of delay in owning the same things as the mutual fund, but it's negligible. And, in, and especially in the term of you're talking retirement, you're putting your money in this for 20 to 30 years. Exactly, exactly. So I have clients who bought the S&P 500 ETF. Uh, I don't know. It probably whenever ETFs were created way back when, um, and they still hold it and it's done great for them. So do you have any other, so areas outside of the stock market, people, let's say they're wary of the stock market. Let's say they already have a lot of stock investment and they want to diversify their portfolio and they've made an extra 10 grand with all their overtime and hazard pay. Anything else? What do they invest in? Um, well, again, this is going to be based upon preference. I mean, you have defensive measures. Some people believe that uh, coins, gold, silver, they act inversely to the market. They think it's a little bit of a hedge. I don't necessarily hold that opinion, but it's common amongst people. A lot of people like owning actual equity. They like holding something. So that would be like a house or again, a coin, something you can hold in your hand. Um, those are, those are common investments, but I like to stick with what I know and what I, what I believe in. Thank you for watching our kind of spontaneous, uh, episode two, hoping you guys, helping you guys, uh, kind of navigate the pandemic. So 
part one is about surviving. If you're an individual or a business owner, you're trying to navigate the different stimulus packages. You're trying to understand the aid available for you. Tune into part one. Hopefully that helped you. This in part two, if you had extra money saved or maybe you just stayed relatively unaffected, but you've heard it's a good time to use your money. Hopefully this educated on you on a couple paths that you can take and also helps you make sense of some terms that you might be hearing like mutual funds, ETFs, S&P 500, what do all those things mean and give you some sort of an idea of what your next path is, what your next action is uh, to take during these kind of crazy, uh, uncertain times. As always, you can find us on Instagram, handle 2 gens 2 cents You can submit topic submission forms for what you want to hear covered next at our website, 2 gens 2 cents.com or email us directly at 2gens2cents at gmail.com. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you next time.